Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. So today I am delighted to be speaking to Laura Kenyachi, who is a um, an account manager with a top loyalty marketing agency out of Italy. Now, I first came across the work that Laura is involved with uh, because of my own work as a judge for the Loyalty Magazine Awards. And Laura had put together a phenomenal presentation and it really covered some uh, really interesting insights within the field of sports loyalty. And certainly as a judge, it wasn't a category I expected to see uh, because I think we all expect sports fans already to be loyal. So for a company um, like the advice group where Laura works to be delivering programs for a big professional football club like AS Roma really, really intrigued me. And what I definitely know is it certainly intrigued all of the judges uh, because the advice group and AS Roma ended up winning three different awards um, this year in the Loyalty Magazine um, finals. So first and foremost, I want to really welcome Laura Kenyachi to Let's Talk Loyalty. Hi, Paula. Thanks for having me here today. Great. It's lovely to have you on the line, Laura. And I hope all is good in Italy. I think you're based in Turin, am I right? In Turin, yes, of course, we are. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'm going to, um, I suppose, first of all, tell listeners some of the clients that I've seen on your website, uh, because I think what that does, Laura, is just explain the breadth of expertise that you've got. And I was super impressed because, again, I'm not um, familiar with the Italian market, but uh, brands like Coca-Cola and Lavazza Coffee, and obviously AS Roma, as I've already mentioned, but also um, a big one uh, called Chubb, which I was impressed to see in the B2B space because I'm always interested in, in loyalty marketing. And that was described as the world's largest publicly traded property and casualty insurer. So again, a different type of expertise. And obviously the advice group is doing work across all different categories. Uh, yes, of course. We normally help companies of different industry to enhance the redemption of, and performances of their activities. And, uh, uh, well, of course, we do take care about their loyalty programs uh, uh, thanks to a proprietary platform uh, mm. which analyzes all the data incoming from all the activated touch points. Wonderful. And, uh, as a second step, our business intelligence uh, Per, um, assigns the user a personal index uh, to plan personalized marketing activities uh, and to enrich the profiles of the users involved in real time. And by doing so, we start knowing deeper and deeper users. And uh, um, I think that really, really knowledge is power when you talk about loyalty. And uh, once you start knowing better your audience, of course, you can uh, decide what's the next step for you and your company to do in order to make a connection with your, uh, with your users and consumers or fans in sports. Yeah. And uh, this process, of, of course, uh, finally brings to you that monetization as a consequence. But most important of all, uh, 
is that once you have a connection, uh, once you have an equal value exchange and yes. an, an emotional connection, of course, you can ask more to your user and consumer. And uh, in fact, as a, as a consequence of this, you can say that, um, for example, in sport, one fan treated in a loyalty program like this worth 30 normal fans. And uh, in a different industry, uh, for example, in, uh, in the insurance uh, field, uh, one um, loyalty user mm-hmm. that you've treated uh, uh, through this process, to, through this specific process, yes. was five normal uh, users. And so this is uh, probably one of my best data that, you know, uh, that I've encountered during my, uh, my work here in Advice Group. Amazing. Amazing. And I guess um, I love that because um, we're all about behavior change in loyalty, as, as you know. And the, the really big um, interesting piece that I want to understand, first of all, is within the, the sporting um, sector that you've done so much work with, with AS Roma, as we've said. So I know you've got um, algorithms, as many loyalty programs do. And for me, the multiple of, you know, one standard fan is worth, uh, you know, 30, uh, uh, sorry, a super fan is worth 30 standard fans really yes. does, you know, prove the value of, you know, treating them, as you said, completely differently and nurturing them along a journey from, you know, not being engaged all the way up to being, you know, advocates of a, of a particular uh, business. So, I guess the question I wanted to ask Laura at the very start is, you know, AS Roma is, uh, I think, a 92-year-old professional football club uh, in Rome. And again, from my experience with football, people are quite loyal, uh, maybe from childhood, in fact, and probably throughout the family. So what was the, the idea behind building a loyalty program in a sporting industry where there's already so much loyalty available? Oh, when you have to consider that um, when Roma got in contact with us, it was 2017 and it was right after the new GDPR approbation. Uh, And when they first met, met us, they had four main requests, which were not so fully linked to a loyalty program. Um because they wanted to bring users from social networks to a a proprietary channel. They wanted to launch a unique engagement hub. They want to, um, let's say, build a fun behavior database uh, and understand funds better. Mm. So uh, as you can analyze these, uh, it's very far from a common uh, loyalty program. But... This is the interesting part of my job because uh, we need to understand what is loyalty uh, because they probably have uh, created a loyalty program. They have um, taken their fans' hands without knowing that they were creating a loyalty uh, program. Uh, you need to consider that uh, you don't become loyal to something, to a brand, to uh, a club, just because they say that there is a loyalty program or um, 
because you subscribe something and you get card, a, a card, a fidelity card in return. Mm. You become loyal to um, a brand only when you can establish a bidirectional relationship Mm-hmm. When you, uh, as a consumer, as a fan, feel that you are receiving back something, um, and I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about something very uh, different, something deeper and more profound. I'm talking about an equal value exchange, mm-hmm. about an emotional connection. Yeah. Uh, so I'm loyal to a brand which really knows me and understands my needs and that constantly operates to... Um, improve the services and products I'm interested to. Mm. And um, if I knew that I'm sharing information, my personal information with such a brand, well, I would probably be happy to do so because I know that by doing so, I would receive something back, something I'm really interested in. Mm. And this is what we consider an equal value exchange. And... uh, how can we in advice help companies to improve their loyalty programs? How did we help Roma to do so? Uh, well, we did it by simply creating diverse paths that users may follow. Um, each path being a different touch point, of course. <laughs> and uh, uh, analyzing in real time users' response to the stimuli in uh, order to react promptly with a dedicated one-to-one communication. That's Mm. what we did. And that's what uh, has worked so good with Roma. Because Mm. we didn't start thinking that we needed to create a loyalty program. But the result of all our actions was the creation, the development of a good loyalty program. Mm. And uh, the best part of these is that users, is that fans didn't even realize that they are participating to a loyalty program. Yeah. And I, I think actually what I, I really am, am hearing from you, Laura, is particularly, I suppose, it's it's a very intelligent approach uh, strategically, I think, for the club to recognize, I suppose, that all of the engagement that was happening with the club was probably happening either obviously at the games, you know, in, in, in the real world or on social media networks where they really just didn't have the direct connection with the customers in the way that a proprietary platform and, you know, one single hub would, would give them. So I think it's, um, it's not every brand that has realized the importance of, you know, encouraging their customers or their fans to move with them into their own environment um, so mm-hmm. that you've then got permission as you said, with GDPR and everything else to uh, to create the emotional connection in whatever way you feel is appropriate, but where you have full access to communicate anytime, as much as you want or as little as you want and not be dependent on a third-party platform. Yes, absolutely. And you need to consider also that, uh, of course, Roma has millions of fans on um, Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, but this is not a problem just related with them. Mm. We have the 90% of our customers have a huge fan base in Facebook and they, uh, they do not know how to talk with them. 
Yeah. Uh, so what we did, we started using Facebook as a leverage to bring new users on our portal. And through our portal, connected with our business intelligence, we managed to start mapping the fans' behavior uh, that's giving back to Roma enriched profiles that they can finally use to create one-to-one communication. We open a a communication channel and Mm. we allow them for the first time to create a deeper relationship with fans from all over the world. And I know this may look simple, but just think how, how about how much the companies of different industries spend mm. just to create contents for third-party platforms. That yeah. is almost wasted money since those party platforms don't allow you to talk directly with your audience, to mm. your followers, yeah. and you can never get their emails, never. Yeah. And the only way for you to talk with them is to invest more money on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, l- let me be clear. I'm not saying that we want to substitute Facebook uh, or yeah, Instagram sure. because, of course, it's impossible. And yeah. uh, uh, if I'm allowed, uh, you need your fans and you, you need them on Facebook because that they are important there and you can use them and you can, uh, well, of course, use the, the platform uh, whenever and however you want. Yeah. But what we did was to change the way that those platforms can be used. And we gave to Roma and to many other customers of ours a way to um, improve the ROI of their investment on social they finally start converting. This is what we did. Mm, I love it. So, Laura, one of the things I really loved, um, certainly from reading the award entry, was the amount of um, touch points that you guys were able to tap into, um, really from external sources. So, I suppose the loyalty programs I have worked on, we have obviously had full visibility of the customer's behavior internally. So, you know, whether it's a billing system or, you know, any of our internal platforms, we've been able to build our loyalty program to, to track their behavior. Behavior. But actually, I think what you guys have done so well is you've been able to leverage the massive social media platforms where the fans have been traditionally um, hanging out and connecting with each other. And you've been able to, first of all, track that behavior and score that behavior, as you've talked about in terms of segmentation. And again, direct it now internally into one hub um, in terms of recognition um, of behavior. And then I think you also do stuff where you incentivize them to do uh, various different behaviors, again, on those third-party platforms. Am I right in understanding that? Yes, of course, you're right. Uh, Well, of course, each touch point can become a relevant source of data for us, Uh, where it be Facebook, where it be any commerce uh, or a physical event that you are uh, creating for your fans or uh, users. And of course, all the information, all this information that we can retrieve from these activated touch points are uh, funneled into our proprietary platform, uh, which can analyze all the data incoming. And uh, let's say as a second step, with the help of our business intelligence, uh, assigns to user a personal index. That's the CBI that I was uh, talking about before. Mm-hmm. And um, specifically... Um, 
and I'll just, I'll, I'll explain actually CVI, Laura, because I think you explained to me that's the customer value index, yes? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, the FBI is an index and it represents uh, the, the fund's value, uh, okay. which is based on the analysis of uh, his behavior. And it okay. takes into account various variables such as the frequency of the interaction with the brand, the social information regarding uh, the user and the extent of uh, uh, his proactive participation in the activities proposed. Mm. And um, the, the, the best part of this index is that it's dynamic. Uh, it has a dynamic value that rises or falls depending on, uh, uh, on each fund's behavior over time. And when all this is combined with, uh, you know, the real-time user clustering allows to uh, estimate the potential value of each user and of the entire database, uh, thereby turning it into a tool offering useful information for marketing activities. Mm. Uh, just, um, just to make things clear, uh, because I know it's sometimes difficult to understand this. Uh, can we uh, do an experiment together? Uh, because this is something that I already explained you in the loyalty surgery, and sometimes it works better. So if you allow me, um, I'm asking to you and to everyone here to think for one moment to uh, Charles, the Prince of Wales, okay, and to Ozzy Osbourne, the British heavy metal singer. Okay. Oh, so we just have to think about Prince Charles and think about Ozzy Osbourne separately, yeah? Correct, correct. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. uh, without thinking too deeply about it, we can say that these two people have nothing in common, right? Sure. Nor in their private lives, nor yeah. as a consumer. Yeah. But yet, a traditional clustering process would lead a brand to consider them both within the same cluster. And... Uh, in fact, they are both British, born in the late 40s. They have two marriages uh, to their name, both are fathers. So a traditional information analysis process leads uh, lead to two totally different people being identified as belonging to the same cluster. Yeah. and consequently receiving the same commercial communication. And this is a huge mistake. In fact, just think to an insurance company that based on these parameters activate the same type of insurance cover for both Prince Charles and Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, I know you missed that, but this example identifies a series of low-performing investments in terms of marketing and communication. And it would also expose the company to potential consumer dissatisfaction regarding the use of products, services uh, that are not suitable for their needs. And this is where um, resides the importance of our CVE because uh, it identifies not just um, the standard, you know, uh, monetary value, um, yeah. frequency, recency. We really understand how this specific user is behaving and uh, we can do it because we do know uh, 
its interaction with the activated touch points. And each activated touch points has a different call to action, as for example, uh, a specific price stake. So we do understand uh, what the user is, in, is uh, interested to. So all this information at last brings you a specific value that well avoid this kind of, uh, of mistakes, which can really be a, a, a risk and great and, and can bring yeah. a great damage to your company. Yeah, it's it's the ideal, I suppose, Laura, you're right in terms of, you know, really mass personalization and getting into, you know, one-to-one customized communications and really to understand that, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and Prince Charles have very different needs and very yes. different interests. So I think you've made a very good point. And I was, I remember being amused when you spoke uh, at the loyalty conference. So um, you're absolutely right. Clustering is not good enough anymore. And we have the technology and you've proven the point um, and the point of, you know, investing in those type of relationships does produce the returns that you need on the investment because clearly it's a complicated piece of work. And again, I haven't done any, you know, customer segmentation in the same detail that you've done. Uh, but again, it's why you won those three awards with the loyalty surgery. So improving <laughs> it over time. So um, it must be very rewarding, actually. Uh, you must really enjoy your job, do you? Yes, I do. Uh, I really love it because it changes continuously. Because yeah. once you, you think you've known something, there is something that you may not know yet mm. and that then you haven't seen before. And uh, so I'm continuously improving myself. I'm continuously learning new things and new way to, uh, to improve the business, uh, the, my business, the, yeah. my customer's business. It's really intriguing you know and so the same yeah. Wonderful. And I'll come on to insurance maybe in a minute, Laura, but just before we finish on, on um, AS Roma, um, can you just talk through, you know, what does the actual program look like? Because I think um, when we were preparing for the call, you made the point that um, loyalty has nothing got to do with programs or cards. It's very mm -hmm. much the emotional connection. And you've already made the point as well, obviously, that the emotional connection exists more strongly in sporting um, sector than in other sectors. So, so what did you build within this hub where fans are, are encouraged to go? Like what did they see when they get to the platform? Oh, well, uh, what we did was extremely simple uh, because we have developed this uh, new digital hub for the name Roma Unico Grande Amore, uh, which was supposed to be the main content point for fans and uh, a bridge between the club and its fans. And we started activating different campaigns connected with the club and the team activities. It means that... Um, up to now, uh, for example, through Roma Unico Grande Amore, we delivered more than 18 different types of campaigns with totally different call to actions and prizes. And we had more than 70 different waves and we engaged more than 80,000 fans. Yeah. Uh, but the activation was really simple. What we need is simply uh, sometimes asking people to register themselves and try and win the final prize. 
wise. So as you can see here, the call to action was extremely uh, linear, simple. We as nothing uh, as buying something, we were not interested at all to the purchasing part. We've never asked anyone to buy something. And yeah. this is uh, quite strange, you know, because when you think about the loyalty programs, normally you have to buy something. Um, yeah. you, you got to... Um, uh, insert, you know, the data that you can find in the receipt into a web portal, but that's nothing that you can do when, uh, you know, when you want to establish an emotional connection again, but yeah. by doing so, what we, um, what we achieved was to really understand who we were talking to, because for each prize, we were, talking to a different audience. I made these two examples, uh, which are uh, quite clear. We had a member get member activities in, um, in which we asked to people, to users, to register to Romaunico Grandemore and to share a specific code with uh, four of their friends. And if they uh, were doing so, they were completing their, uh, their team. Okay. okay, and once you've completed your team, you can participate to the final draw, mm -hmm. and uh, which we're assigning uh, um, an experience with the team. You were uh, you were supposed to accompany the team on the field to know each player. You know, it was quite interesting. Amazing. And this kind of yeah. activity. Uh, well, the most amazing thing was finding out that the winner of this activity was an 18 years old girl and her friends. And the funniest thing that <laughs> was that the morning we called her to tell her that she had won, she was still in bed sleeping since she didn't go to school that day. <laughs> and it was funny. And it was surprising because we never thought that uh, an 18 girl and a friend can be so interested in this kind of activity. Wow. Uh, uh, so it's not supposed to be dedicated to this kind of audience. And yeah. uh, it, it, it's uh, a continuous discovering of new things, of knowing your audience better. And um, another, oh, well, I want to, uh, of course, the, this was uh, kind of fun, uh, to, you know, talking with uh, five uh, 18 years old girls uh, uh, were in love with uh, football players and so on. But um, we also had another case which was quite emotional and um, touching because uh, in one specific activity which was named On the Road with Us, uh, which has assigned two tickets for um, one of Roma away match, um, another young woman won uh, a woman who has participated to the contest only because her younger sister who was blind was totally in love with the club oh. and because she wanted her to go to the match wow. and of course you know when we first learned that the girl couldn't see well we were worried because it was hard for us to figure out how she could do it and um and so we have talked with her just to understand if she needed something in particular. But when chatting with her, she told us that she was a huge fan of Roma, of the club, of each player. She, she knew everyone. <laughs> and 
Wow. She was going really often to the stadium because she loved its noise and uh, the atmosphere. Wow. And that she uh, normally had her sister constantly updating her about what was happening on the field. Wow. And um, since the girl was really a huge fan, the club arranged a beautiful surprise for her. Mm-hmm. And they make her met Francesco Totti as well as the other members of the team. And yeah. she was super happy and she kissed everyone. Oh, <laughs> so, so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really beautiful. But it, it comes quite unexpected. Yes. Who could ever think that... Uh, well, a blind girl can submit a contest like that. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, the, it's always a surprise. And just doing this kind of activity, you can really know your audience. Well, I think it's a beautiful point, Laura, and you've made it so well. I think, you know, we all, you know, typically, you know, we stereotype as much as we don't want to or we don't think we should. Um, but very much the idea of, you know, the importance of a sporting um, stadium and supporting a team when we see somebody who can't see, um, we would never, you know, realize how much passion perhaps that they have for the club. And they would never have been in your mass segmentation we, we talked about earlier earlier. And I just love that you're building those emotional connections. And I I obviously went through and saw exactly how the the whole platform is built. So I love the member get member piece. I love the money can't buy experiences, which of course, any sporting team has unique access. And I know there's children that uh, get to go on the field with their favorite players. And then you can obviously involve the parents in in the entries. So I think you've built a very comprehensive program um, for AS Roma and I know you do it for other sectors as well Laura so just before we finish up I'd love to get just some of your insights in terms of you know anything you've learned from applying these kind of insights say in the insurance sector or any of the other kind of industries that you've worked on oh yeah um well, in the insurance industry, we have the pleasure to work with most important Italian and European companies such as Chubb, which is yeah that you've already said Unipolsai, Argos, Andera, Itas. And, um, you know, CI is something that really useful when your business relies entirely on consumers. Um, and for this reason, we work side by side with friends and banking companies facing daily problems related with knowledge of users' habits and trying to uh, reduce drastically the trend rate with in this industry is plug, you know. Mm. Um, in this industry, we created um, marketing projects designed to know more about consumer, talking to them. Uh, times, what's uh, well, you need to understand the problem that maybe an insurance uh, uh, company can face. And mm-hmm. as far as we know, one of the main problems uh, that we have is that the insurance sells the insurance policies through financial companies that are the first point of contact with the end consumer. Mm-hmm. And this kind of intermediate relationship that is formed between the company and the end consumer mm-hmm. uh, probably is the cause of the high customer's churn rate. Yes. And this is why uh, 
Well, in the past, we have come up with a project that helped the insurance companies to get to know users better mm. by getting personal information, interests, and habits in order to start up um, constant dialogue over time. And uh, we did this inviting customers to take part to a simple contest uh, simply by using their policy number. Mm. So we started uh, using a tool which is called the insurance, you know, uh, yeah. it, it's an old way to communicate. Mm -hmm. It's an old tool. It's, uh, it has nothing digital. But we used it uh, as a leverage to bring people into a portal. And mm -hmm. that, of course, was simply first contact, but it was relevant. What is relevant here is the kind of approach. I mean, you can use whatever you want just to stimulate your audience curiosity. And once you've opened a door, well, you overly hum. And uh, yeah. the things you can start asking are really infinite. So once you've created a breach, you can ask users to uh, complete personal profiles, uh, um, periodically benefit from published content on specific website, yeah. um, so that you, you know you know the brand can really start educating its audience. And you can also ask to respond to monthly surveys or to share contents through social media, or uh, I don't know. You can ensure that any policies they they have taken out remain active or more important in this field you can ask mm. them to take out new policies which are offered to them uh, because you know them and you know that they may be interested in that specific policies so this is why Super. what we do is so important in this field and can I ask you, Laura, and, uh, and we'll wrap up then, but just the final question, how did the intermediates respond when you started to build direct relationships? So, you know, insurance broking, you know, it's, it's a massive industry. Um, mm -hmm. So, but you, as you said, you want to bypass the intermediate to build a relationship. And I guess that's in the interests of the broker because it makes it easier for the renewal. And as you said, for cross-sell and upsell. And did they react in a positive way? or did you have any challenges with the brokers? No, um, they reacted absolutely in a negative way. And uh, this is why we also developed uh, specifically B2B programs, okay. which uh, are created specifically to bring people back into, uh, you know, the physical points where these intermediates work. Yeah. And uh, this was uh, um, another case of ours uh, with a different, uh, you know, uh, customer, but what we were trying to do is to develop a specific loan program which contains many co-marketing campaigns. Mm. And to, in order to participate to each of uh, to each one of these co-marketing campaigns, for example, we made a co-marketing with uh, uh, Disney Pixar uh, for uh, wow. uh, the Coco film. Do you know the um, Coco? Mm -hmm. And uh, another one with Sky. Another one uh, uh, which were assigning. Uh, uh, motorcycle uh, and just to participate to this contest you user had to go physically inside the intermediate company and uh, they um, they were able to give you back something mm -hmm. and that something was uh, the activator and then that allows that allowed users to participate in the contest so what we did is to announce the you know the 
um, the traffic inside uh, the stores. And okay. uh, this is what made everyone happy. Because, uh. <laughs> uh, of course, the company uh, started to know users uh, without the help of the intermediate, but the intermediate didn't lose uh, the business. Okay, okay. So that makes perfect sense, yeah. So I can hear the B2B angle is equally as important, maybe if not more important, um, than the B2C angle. If you're starting to build direct relationships, they can feel threatened. So it's important to reassure them and, and, and recognize and reward their role in, in the whole process as well. Yes, of course. And then you have to consider also that we create specifically B2B programs which uh, remunerates the best uh, uh, sellers. So it's a sort of, you know, yeah, it's a program entirely dedicated to them with prizes entirely dedicated to them just to stimulate, you know, uh, the first part of the contact with the user. Wonderful. So that's all of my questions, Laura. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk through today um, in terms of loyalty, in terms of any trends that you see coming up in the future that you're excited about? Um, I'm sure you're going to be making lots more entries uh, into the awards again next year with uh, lots of other lovely clients, which I hope to see. Um, But any other closing points from your side? No, I uh, I want just to stress the concept that uh, there is no loyalty unless you know your audience and unless you create an emotional connection with them. Wonderful. So um, this is the really important part of my job and this is what we in Advice Group constantly think about. Wonderful. Well, I think you've spoken beautifully. Um, and Laura, thank you so much. I know you were nervous about coming on the show today. And <laughs> English is not your first language. But as I think I said to you, um, the whole purpose of this show is to bring global voices of loyalty together so that we can learn what has worked in Italy and make sure that we, you know, take those into our own ideas and campaigns. And certainly, I think the whole sporting industry is going to be paying a lot more attention to what you're doing with AS Roma. So, um, yeah. I just wanted to uh, say um, a huge thank you for your time and your efforts and uh, thanks from everyone at Let's Talk Loyalty. So Paula, thanks really to you. It was a huge opportunity for me to be in here today and thanks a lot. Okie dokie. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.